This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and it is a brilliant autumn day, autumn fall day. Well, we talked about that last week, autumn versus fall. I, th- I think we did. Um, you know, autumn is the old word from autumnus from Latin, and we started calling it fall here because poets, you could, they could, it had better rhymes in autumn. Anyway, whether you call it autumn or fall, it is no question about that. Nice and cold. Got a frost in my garden. Uh, the summer stuff that I didn't already pull up and throw on the compost looked pretty bad, but it only looks bad if you expect it to look like it did in the middle of the summer. And no, for fall, it looks great. It's brown as withered. But that's Java. That's what it's supposed to look like right now, so it's doing great. I like that perspective. Yeah, you can't hold uh, your <laughs> fall look to your summer look. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that you can do to transit to make the transition easier. A lot of people are just moaning and groaning. My garden is gone. I'm so, I, we can't wait till spring. Then no, you're in your garden all year, or you should be, or you could be, and that's what I'm here for. So there's plenty of stuff you can have. I got a lot of different things in my garden that that are that were planted because they're at their peak this time of year and December and into January and February. There's lots of stuff. And uh, what I've done, I've spent a lifetime, a career of looking at stuff that looks good every month of the year. My first book I did, published by University Press here at, at Mississippi, um, had a whole chapter of uh, month by month. Here's what you can see in your yard this month in the South. And so what I did was I started looking at stuff, and you see something over here and something over there and something in the country garden, something in the cemetery, something along the roadside. And then you just pull those together and shove them in your yard, and it looks the combination looks like a, a bouquet. And you can do that every month of the year. So when you have to pull up your zinnias and your tomatoes and your basil and have to cut down the slimy cannas and elephant ears, there should be something there that greets you. That'll carry you right on through what I call color uh, color bridges. So that's what I've been doing. And one of the things that I got, Java, uh, are these chrysanthemums. I got a little bouquet here of uh, flowers. These are old-fashioned flowers that I've seen in gardens scattered all over the South. Now, did you liberate those this morning? No, I got these from my yard. Oh, okay, and okay. There's, there's a lot of them. It, 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 a lot of people are familiar with the type of chrysanthemums. They're all chrysanthemums, but there's a unique type of chrysanthemum that I wish more people knew about. They've been around. They were real popular back in the 40s and 50s, and then garden centers, wholesale growers started going to plastic pots and Potting soil, and you know this. This is actually a, a thing. Before the 1950s, we didn't have potting soils, and we didn't have plastic pots. We didn't. Wow. So, yeah, people would go from town to town. Peddlers would go from town to town, just like uh, you know the tinkers who would who would you know get your old aluminum. They sharpen your blades and stuff. They would go from town to town with boxes and trays of plants that they rooted, and they slice a little piece out like a piece of cake like a birthday cake, and sell it to you. Wow. Or, they, or they're wrapped in, in paper or in, in cans. Uh, but anyway, 1950s, we came up this horticultural revolution with all sorts of, of uh, you know, plastic pots and soilless potting mixes, which are lightweight, and they started. It just revolutionized horticulture. But in the process, a lot of cool plants didn't, don't grow that well. 
They don't look good in pots, so people wouldn't buy them. So garden centers stopped ordering them, so wholesale growers stopped producing them. And there's a whole group of chrysanthemums that used to be just wildly popular uh, across the whole country. They grow from Canada to Florida. Uh, and they were they were bred by an, by a, uh, a a guy from Wales, from a little town called Lindudno, Wales. He had a nursery called Happy Valley Nursery. I'm not making this up, Java. You're looking at me like I'm about to say something nasty here. <laughs> Continue on. <laughs> but anyway, he he crossed some 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 uh, really hardy Korean and China type of chrysanthemums with some others. It came up this special group. Uh, and the first one, this is 1930s, the first one that he named and released for sale is from Landudno, Wales, is all over Mississippi. And a lot of people call it Clara Curtis or Country Girls. Big old pink floppy thing. See how big this the flowers are big. It's a floppy plant. It sprawls. It doesn't, it doesn't run. It's not invasive, but it flops over. And it has tons and and October, November, obviously a freeze won't won't damage them. I mean, they look pretty good, and it got down to the to the the twenties in my garden. Now, where did their folk name "country girls" come from? You know, if if you were in a, I don't know when we were kids, they talked to this thing where you would whisper something in somebody's ear, and they'd whisper it to somebody, and they was and by the time it got back around to you, it had completely changed. I know that Clara Curtis. Through garden clubs and 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 as it went around, Clara Curtis's Clara something or something girls or Clara Curtis became country girls. Wow, yeah, that's funny. But anyway, I've got burgundy ones. I've got deep, deep red little pom pom ones. I've got brilliant uh, yellow ones. Uh, all different kinds that I've collected from old gardens and people who who grow plants from old gardens all over the south. And where we have azaleas in the spring and daffodils in the late winter and the spring, we got nothing in the fall. But these things fill that gap. My great-grandmother grew a lot of different kinds of them, and I was raised with And so when I think spring, I think daffodils. I think fall. I think these kind of things. And it's a type of chrysanthemum called uh, rubellum, chrysanthemum rubellum. You know, it's not the florist mom. It's not the cushion mom like the selling garden centers. Um, anyway, I just wanted to bring these in because, you know, everybody's moaning and groaning. Not me. I got my great-grandmothers and Jinx Farmers and, and uh, Greg Grants and uh, Russell Studebakers. I got these bums that, that guys like me have been collecting all of our careers. Got them all in one spot. Whew, that was a long rant. I no. should I should have saved that for something. But it just proves, like you said, you can have that that color now. Yeah, you just have to know what you I guess know how to know where to get it from. Yep. Now let's start out right off the bat in Jackson with Jim talking about uh, Jim. I hope we're talking about yard worms and not your worms because this ain't a medical program. Uh, Jim Rosenbach, Calvert. Good morning. I've got a comment and a question. Yeah. First of all, the comment is I drove into downtown today. I drove by about six displays of the Mississippi State flag with the magnolia on there. Uh-huh. And I want to thank you because, I, as I understand it, you were the one that suggested that the magnolia be on the state flag. Well, I made a presentation. I, d- I did a little little fold-out slick brochure and presented it to the Flag Commission and, and said, here's, you know, we're the magnolia state. We're, you know, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and they, they, they put it in strong consideration. But uh, I'm, I'm pleased with it. And then my question is, uh, what can I do during this winter time to promote worms in my garden? Oh, real easy. Just pile leaves up, and then if you can, uh, dust them with a little cottonseed meal. 
you know, they sell it at garden centers. You can get people who don't have a good garden center uh, nearby can get it from Amazon. But cottonseed meal has got nitrogen, which helps break leaves down, but it's also got protein. It's used as a cattle feed supplement. They they don't cows don't eat just hay. They give them a little cottonseed meal, and it's got protein, and it beefs those worms up. They come up, they get bigger, they get beefier. They'll get you know ten inches long, but uh, you know it's just a matter of feeding feeding them, and they eat leaves. But then little protein, so leaves a light, light dusting of cottonseed meal, and that's about it. Well, I grind up my oak leaves in the yard and then spread them out, and then in the spring turn them under. Yeah, and so um, I'll try a little. Uh, I'll try a little meal as well. Yeah, well, you know, like I say, if you put it out there and just dust it with it, you won't have to turn it on. The worms will come up at night and eat it, and they'll take it down. To, you know, people do this no-till gardening. Uh, they they actually do tilling. But the way they do is they feed the worms and let the worms do the digging for them. Well, I, I like the idea of having someone else do my work. <laughs> well, anyway, it's a it's a good idea, especially around flower beds and stuff and shrubs. You know, a little cottonseed meal it just it 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 feeds the worms, and you know they're otherwise they just look like old you know old skinny range cattle out there instead of big old beefy things wandering around. Well, thanks, Felder, and thanks again for your suggestion for the magnolia for the flat state flag. Appreciate it, Jim. Uh, Jim. Thank you so much, man. Bye. All righty. Uh, feeding worms. You know, we ought to have this. We had a song. I'm going to eat some worms. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm thinking of eating some worms. Well, if you're going to do that, you need to beef them up first. You know, if you're going to fry some worms up, you don't want those little skinny things you can see throughout in the yard. Anyway, let's go down to Mandeville, Louisiana. Peg, how are you this morning? I'm doing fine, Felder. Good. I'm actually waiting in a doctor's office trying to talk to you between when the doctor comes in. I, but, um, I, I, I've, I've done that uh, this week myself, so I know what you're being. Um, big roses in England. I have a friend who's from um, London, and she grew up in London, and she's been um, all over the place, but in Louisiana now, and she said, she, I can't remember, she said, I can't remember the name of those big roses in England that um, are huge, and do they grow here? So if you know the name, and let me know if they grow here on my... Well, well, my well first, first of all, just to sort of set things up a little bit for my answer, is uh, I sold roses out of a family garden center 50 years ago. I've been, you know, been working with roses. And so, and I know when people buy a lot of roses, if you work at a, a small town garden center, people come back and tell you what didn't work. And so I spent a, a, my, my, my early horticulture career looking at what people bought that didn't work and what did work that they were happy with. Same thing with roses. I also stay with Michael Shoup, who owns Antique Rose Emporium in Texas. I stay with them when I'm in Texas. And, and I've worked with, with, with uh, toured rose gardens literally all over the world, from Japan to Oregon to Florida, to, you know, to, to Tombstone, Arizona. So I've been working with roses a long time. And we started planting roses in the old cemetery in Jackson, Mississippi, our state capital, a little cemetery called Greenwood Cemetery. And uh, back in the 90s, we started putting really good roses between the tombstones to see which ones would do well without any care at all. Maybe some pruning every three or four years, maybe a little fertilizer, every two, but, but no water. And over the years, we've come up with a couple of dozen of really dependable roses, and some have got good big flowers. Now, I'm setting all that up to, to say this. Roses in England are not any they're not grown differently than roses in Louisiana, Mississippi, but different varieties. And those great big fluffy things you see in England, the David Austin roses, for example, uh, I, you know, my, 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 my longtime partner 
was head of marketing of David Austin Roses. I know those roses, but most of them don't do great here because they were okay. bred they were bred for a climate that cools down at night. We do have some really good big floppy floriferous roses and even some of the David Austins will do okay. But don't you know go to go to the botanic garden in in uh, in 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 New Orleans or uh, you know go around some the, we got rose growers all over this part of the country who grow really really nice roses. Just don't try to to mimic how they do it in England because they try to mimic what we do here. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm serious. Most of their, you know, their bot- latest botanic garden. I went to j- the uh, a Bridgewater that just opened a Royal Hort Society garden. Eighty percent of the the flowers in their big flowing perennial borders are native to Louisiana, Mississippi. So uh, anyway, we do have some good roses. If you'll send me an email, I've got a list of really good, dependable roses that do well, and it's got a little bit about how to give them the the minimum uh, soil prep and care they need to flourish. You know, not rosarian okay. quality, but big old roses that do well without a whole a whole bunch of care. Send, shoot me an email. Okay, that was my um, friend's question. My question was: Do sweet peas do well? in pots, you know, those plastic pots you were just talking about. They'll, they'll do okay. You know, c- considering sweet peas don't do great anyway for us because they, they don't like cold weather, which in Mandeville, you don't get really, really, really cold weather. But sweet no. peas won't take really cold weather, but they also will not tolerate hot, humid days and hot, humid nights. So we grow sweet peas to bloom in the, we plant them in the late summer to bloom in the fall and early winter. We plant them in the the late winter to bloom in the spring before it gets too hot. But um, but sweet peas, you know, they're just, you know, they'll, they'll do fine. But a, a big pot, a big, big pot. Yeah, right. I've never put them in a pot before, so I just heard you talk about pots, and I'm wondering if they'll do Yeah, a bigger pot. Well, you know, I'm what? Yeah, you you know, if you put your nice little little teepee looking thing, you know, whether it's rustic made out of uh, uh, curvy branches or a fancy tutor or you know a little teepee type thing, it alone will look good, even if the sweet peas don't. Right, right, okay, I'm good with that. Okay, good. and, and t- tell your friend to go to felderrushing.blog, and uh, it's got a little mm-hmm. button that says email me, and I'll send her send her right away. I'll send her this list of really really dependable roses for our part of the country, and some are some are pretty big and floppy. Okay. Thanks, Felder. All righty. All right. You know, Java roses is one of those things where people, you know, it's sort of a, an iconic plant, you know, and everybody wants to grow it, but they always want to grow it look like, like they look in the catalog or on Gardener's World, you know, Monty Don, you know, and all that. We have different kind of roses here that they don't grow as well in other places, just like daffodils. We got some great daffodils. We got some that don't do so well here. So knowing your variety, and that's what we're here for, MPB. We're to bring um, local questions with local experts, and I've learned from local experts, and I want to share with y'all. Good daffodils for the South, I got a list. Good roses for the South, got a list. Good native plants for the garden, I got a list. That's what I do. I, I, I pull stuff together and put it in plain English. Horticulturists may not really appreciate it because they say, well, you're dumbing it down. No, I'm making it easy and simple. Uh, Java, I came across a really interesting little concept the other day. You ready for this? Lay it on me. <clears throat> well, two of them, actually. Nighttime is a natural state of the universe. Daytime is only caused by a nearby radiating ball of flame. <laughs> 
okay. I, 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 I can go with it. I can you go know, with it. You know, we, we don't have nighttime. We have daytime. When the, when the world turns around, we face this, this flaming ball of, of fire. Then we have daytime. But otherwise, it's just nighttime. Now, let me ask this question. Are you a fan of the uh, the changing with the, the daylight savings? No, sign? no, no. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I know kids don't like to wait for the school bus in the dark. You know, I, I, I get all that. But, you know, when people get off of work and it's already dark, you know, they're not going to be able to kick around the yard and relax and unwind. They're going to go straight in and start watching TV. You know, so, uh, no, I, 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 I'm not. Okay. You know. Because, you know, they're going to get rid of it, uh, I think – Maybe next or they was they have been talking about it, you know, well, not, the, uh, not falling back and springing forward anymore. Yeah, but which one are they going to get rid of? Is it going to still get dark early? Because I want it to be dark later, you know. Okay, I'm not that. I'm not sure. Yeah, see that there you go. Because <laughs> you know now, now you know it's going to be a it's going to be like the like the uh, the the election last week. Really, really close. One way or the other, about half the people could be honked off. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to please everybody. Oh, here's one other quick thing before we go to this call. The human brain not only named itself, but it also recognized that it named itself and was surprised when it realized that. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. That's what I'm like, where where are you getting these from? <laughs> you know, I you know, I don't have a job, Java. You know, you're up here working and all that. I'm sitting at home, you know, wait waiting for gun smoke and the twilight zone to roll back around. <laughs> and uh so, you know, I read weird stuff. But uh anyway, I just thought that anything because, you know, our our brain named itself. Well, I guess I yeah, go anyway. With we have you a know, caller. Yeah, there we go. Let's go <laughs> let's go to Neeshoba County. Bill, what's going on this morning? Uh, hey, how you doing? Howdy, fine. Uh, I, uh, for the first time, have uh, enough uh, Jerusalem artichokes to harvest, mm-hmm. uh, which means that this uh, cold weather has killed all the stalks, and they're you know, laying every which way. And I'm wondering, can I, you know, cut those and compost them, or are they going to? Start Jerusalem artichokes wherever I. Oh no no no! The Jerusalem artichokes are, are what we call the Jerusalem artichokes. Are actually the, a tuberous root of a type of sunflower. Right. See, so you know, you cut the tops down, then I can make the tuberous roots. That's just composting stuff. So it's only it's only okay. those it's only those tuber things, sort of like a ginger type. Well, you know, you've you've dug them before. Have you eaten any of them? The Jerusalem artichokes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've had I've had them that I bought in the store. But yeah, I haven't got any of my own yet. Well, once once you get them, you might find when you if if you want to get more, here's how you get more Jerusalem artichoke. You try to dig it all up and get rid of it. All that does it makes it <laughs> mad. If you try uh-huh. to if you try to baby it and take care of it, it's going to languish. But if you try to get rid of it, it comes up everywhere. So because dividing it. Uh, actually stimulates new buds and stuff. So, you know, you you got plenty. Cut them down and dig a few of them up, especially towards the center, you know, and uh, and and it'll keep growing back into the places where you harvested. Uh huh. Well, uh, that brings up, I guess, another question. It, it's kind of growing up uh, on the top of the uh, sl- uh, slope that I planted it on. Uh-huh. And I don't want it to come any closer to my path. If I if I dig, are you saying if I dig that up, it's going to stimulate it and it's going well, to well, it's, cover it's, my path? It's sort of a semi-humorous comment, but but no, uh, it, you know it, the, the tubers themselves. If you if you leave it alone, it's like monkey grass. You got a clump of monkey grass, 
50 years old, it just sits there. You divide it into two clumps, each one quickly gets big again. See, so the, mm-hmm. you know, so in other words, you could divide it, but if you want to keep it from, from growing by those roots, by, by those tubers, you just got to dig down and put a little bit of a trench. It's, a, it's, it's called an, a border edging uh, in a lot of places, mm-hmm. but you, you make a straight cut, and on the straight side of the cut is where you drew from, where your lawn is. Uh, in other words, just dig, dig a ditch. It only has to be mm-hmm. three or four or five inches deep and about a shovel's wide, but if you do that, it'll stay in, in place. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, there's another word for that, but it's also called sun choke. Jerusalem mm-hmm. artichoke and sun choke. Cool plant. Yeah, it's it's, it's all, a great flower. Yeah, it's it's, it's tall. It's tall. Uh-huh. You know, it's a big, big, uh, little, small, medium sized flower, sunflower. So, mm-hmm. anyway, good luck on it. Let us know how it works. Oh, oh, oh I'll ask you this. You say you've eaten some of it. How do you eat that stuff? You peel it and you just boil them or something? Uh, yeah, uh, just like mashed potatoes. Ah, uh, but you could cook them like that. I imagine it wouldn't take as long, though. Uh, right, and uh, I, I have heard that some people uh, roast them. Yeah, but I haven't tried that yet. I've just uh, you know skinned them, and um, I know you can uh, eat them raw, but yeah. All righty, man. Well, I appreciate it, Bill. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. Before we go to this next call, Java, I did an experiment last night, and it failed. And I want to see, was it because experiment failed or because I, w- I failed at conducting the experiment? Okay. I put, I like sweet potatoes. And, uh, you know, they take, what, 45 minutes, an hour or so to bake. Yeah, well, no, I followed this Instant Pot recipe. I put one in the Instant Pot, and I said for 50 minutes I steamed it, and it was just not good at all. I mean, it's just not fluffy and creamy, and I'm wondering if I didn't cook it long enough in the in the the, the steamer, or if the variety was wrong, or a sweet potato just should not be cooked in a steamer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna defer to you. Tried to cut the corner. You should have just put it in the oven and waited the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm gonna do, being a scientist, I'm gonna put one. Uh, I'm gonna, Turn the oven on. I'm going to put one in the oven. I'm going to put one in the, in the Instant Pot, the little home pressure cooker thing, for 20 minutes. And if it comes out at 20 minutes, it ain't done, I'm going to shove it in the oven with the other one. Okay, yeah. Because I think <laughs> I think maybe it was just missing the pressure. Uh, it just, yeah, you may need to add some more time. That's yeah, what yeah, yeah. But it also could have been a variety. A lot of people don't realize sweet potatoes, like Irish potatoes and tomatoes, there's all different varieties. The summer might be better for steaming. I, I don't know. But anyway, I failed with my sweet potato experiment, and I could not put enough butter on it to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's go on to lower Alabama and talk with Melanie. Hey, Melanie, how are you this morning, lady? I'm very well, thank you, good. and good morning to you. Um uh, so I just wanted to give a testimonial. <laughs> Some years ago, you you well, you've been recommending cottonseed meal forever, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I bought a bag, and I got mine at the at the farm store. And mm-hmm. not, you know, back then it was reasonable anyway. But I had a uh, camellia that every year it would have oh three to five blooms on it. It was seemed like it was in a you know pretty good place for a camellia. I put cottonseed meal on it, and the next year it had a hundred or more. It, yeah, it's, it, a, it's it amazing. It's a miracle. 
Yeah, you 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 know the cotton seed meal does have a a, a good amount of nitrogen, good slow acting, long lasting, gentle, steady nitrogen, which is good for green growth. Got a little phosphorus and potash, which is good for the flowers and all that. But it really, you know, it really turns worms. It makes them go crazy. They they get foot. They turn into monsters, and they dig down deep so you get better air, you get better water, you get better deeper roots. It's all you know. And I sound like one of those weirdos. Oh, you just need to feed your worms and feed your soul. Well, it's true. It's true. It's not one of those weird old, uh, you know, permaculture things. It's. it's I think modern, uh, agri- well, everything. It's just like we isolate one thing. Like you need vitamin B twelve, not like you you don't need any other vitamin B. You know that kind of thing. We we hone in on one little tiny part of the puzzle. Yeah, instead of just eating a lot of different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. You know, but I do have a question. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I planted some larkspur seeds. Mm-hmm. Should I expect to see them germinate before spring, or are they just going to lay? Oh I mean, no, I no, no, no! They, 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 they're like poppies. You know, they come up in the fall. You know, they're like poppies and clover and you know larkspur. You sow the seeds in the fall, or if you've had them for a long time, they reseed themselves, and little plants start coming up. You know, where people have been growing them a long time and they reseed, they should already be up by now. So you know, this is the time. I of haven't year. actually looked. I, I, I did plant them. A- couple of weeks ago, I guess, but I need to go out and check on them. And, and leeks are just a type of onion, right? Well, they're related onions like garlic are related onions. Onions and garlic and leek are, are you know, leek is somewhere between onion and a garlic. So does leek... Leeks flourish here, or is it? Yeah, they do right. They they do all right. You know, they're you know all these plants are 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 native to cooler climates, and you know and you know they grow all summer. You know, in Europe, you know, just like they they grow cabbage all summer and potatoes, Irish potatoes in the summer. We have to squeeze them in between winter, which freezes them, or summer, which which steams them. But but leeks are you know they they do fine. Matter of fact, have you ever seen this plant called elephant garlic? No, I've seen pictures, but I've not yeah. ever seen a real one. It's a, you know, it's a big plant. It's got garlic cloves and got a big flower on the top, but it's technically a leek. Uh, they, they do fine. They do fine. They're not going to do as well as you do in the cooler climates, but they'll do fine over the I winter. I absolutely love them, and they cost the earth at the grocery store. So I yeah. I think I'll throw my hand at those. <laughs> yep. All righty. Well, thank you. You have a great day. And- Thank, thanks, Melanie. Get, out, get some sunshine, but don't get too much or you end up with a boogered up nose like me. It happens when you're a gardener. <laughs> That's right. All righty, folks. I appreciate you calling, Melanie. And, uh, Java, how you doing, man? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. It's just cold, man. It is. It was chilly last night. I cut my heater on in my little cabin. Yeah. You know, usually I just adjust the blinds because I've got double insulated windows and all that, and I just adjust my blind, let it warm up in the day, and then stays warm at night. But nope, I had to turn the heater on last. <laughs> and you know when you turn the heater on for the first time? Oh, yeah, you're going you're gonna to get a smell. Yeah, kind of burnt. I don't know if that's burnt <laughs> dust. I hope it's dust, not spiders in my heater. <laughs> anyway, let's slide down to Mobile and talk with Jeremy. What's up, Jeremy? Hey, what's shaking, Megan? How you doing, man? And just, just hanging in here trying to figure stuff out. Rock and roll. Um, so listen, uh, I got I got uh, a compliment and a pro tip. Okay. Which one you want first? Well, I, let's let's do the good stuff and get it get out of the way, and then hunker down for the rest of it. Cool. Um, so I really loved your mini lecture on chrysanthemums. Yeah. Um, no, that was a surprise to me, and you really should uh, you know think about doing something like that more often when nobody's on the line. Yeah. It was great and very informative, and I have a. I have a niece 
her, her name is Chrysanthemum. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> she goes by Chrissy, but Chrissy. It, it just yeah, it just kind of made me think about home times. Anyway, and, and when so, she if, she if she grows up and has kids, they're gonna call her Mum, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, for you and anybody else listening, you know, we do a podcast with this every week as soon as we get off the air. And the picture that we run with is usually something I bring in. Well, I've got a picture of some of the different kinds of these these old-fashioned garden mums. I've got a picture of in my hand with some of the background to let people know the incredible variety of what we can have. So anyway. That's so amazing. Appreciate so, it. Okay, now, pro tip. Here we go. Yeah. If you wrap. It doesn't matter what varietal it is. It doesn't matter if it was uh, spring-grown or fall-grown. You take any potato. Irish or sweet? Or any? Any. If, if you want it to, using the, using the Instapot, don't yeah. work. There's not enough pressure, just like what Java was saying. Uh. But if you, wrap, if you wrap it in like three to five layers of just regular cellophane, mm-hmm. pop it in your microwave for 10 minutes. And that'll cook a sweet potato. It'll make it nice that'll, and creamy. That, that, that'll cook the inside. Then you, you you pop it into your toaster oven or your regular oven set to 400 for another 10 minutes, and it will come out gloriously perfect. Well, you know, as if you cooked it. As if you cooked it for the entire hour. Okay, ten minutes on high in the microwave, but wrapped really, really well in in. in oh yeah, in, really, 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 really well, well in you know the. I mean, you still you still punch holes in it with the. No. 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 You want it, you want it to steam itself, and okay. that cellophane with with four or five layers, it will expand. It'll it'll look like a balloon blowing up <laughs> in your microwave, but it won't pop. Okay, I'm gonna give that a try. But uh, the, no, it's, the it's really fun to watch, and and my kid loves it. Uh, when we when he, he loves sweet potatoes, and I don't want to spend an hour and a half baking one at three fifty. So I just pop it in the microwave, wrap it up, and then throw it in the toaster oven for uh, another ten minutes. How and, and how old, how old is your boy? Seven. Okay, so he's it's a, he he's also learn about don't pop it because it's gonna be steamy. Yeah, well, he he's, he's a very picky eater, and he wants it exactly one way, and <laughs> so you know, um, that's how that's how we do it in our house to save time, and it, it works, man, it, it works. Ten minutes in the wave, ten minutes under the in, in the, the hot oven. Yeah, four hundred. Okay, now you, you're either going to feel through the through the the ether the, uh, through the, you, the ether of the universe this tonight. You're going to feel either a really nice little satisfied hum, or you're going to feel a mm mm mm. That man just led me astray and ruined a good potato. But you're going to uh, you're no. going to you're going to feel it tonight. I promise you, man, it works. <laughs> um, the the trick though is yeah, don't pop the balloon while it's still full of steam. Let it settle for a second, and then cut it off, and uh, then you can. It, the, the, it will be creamy on the inside. The skin will be crispy, and you can put all your all your condiments on it that you want. Okay. And, what, you know, what, I, one I, one I, more question: Before you put it in the oven, you put the, the rub, uh, rub uh, olive oh, oil yeah, and stuff. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, uh, you got gotcha. uh, yeah. you. Um, you're just assuming that I know that much. Oh well, you know, I, I never assume anything because you know what that means, right? Yes, I do. So, um, but uh, when it comes to the regular, like Idaho bakers, uh-huh. I I do put the oil and the salt on it before I wrap it up. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but for a sweet potato, no, the the skin does most of the work for you. Yep. 
Okay, man. Well, listen, I appreciate it. And if you get a chance, take your boys old enough to a garden center and get them three paper white bulbs and show them how to, to get them started in water. Rock and roll, man. I love you. I love your show. Thanks, man. Appreciate you being part y'all of it, Jim. Y'all have a great, yeah, y'all have a great day. All righty. Whew. That was interesting. But m- meanwhile, <laughs> okay, I'm going to give that a try. What do you think, Java? I mean, do you cook sweet potatoes? I think Jeremy has let you. Now, I'm, I'm traditional in the oven. I like the way it kind of puts a little smell in the house. I yeah. like the way, you know, just kind of. Uh, makes me slow down because I know I have some time before it comes out. But I don't think Jeremy. I think Jeremy is leading you down the right path. Well, you know, he's his his boy is what convinced me. Okay. <laughs> so if it passes the seven year old, all right. Who we need to go to next here? We got choices. Yeah, let's talk with um uh, <laughs> Larry and Purvis. Larry calling about sweet potatoes. Larry, what you got to add to what Jeremy had to say? I was going to say the same thing, but he beat me to it. But um. I just, I hadn't cooked them in cellophane. I put them in the microwave for five minutes and then check them and see how done they are. And then, you know, if they're almost done, put them in for a minute or more if they're uh, not quite done. But that seems to work pretty well, but I'm not a big potato eater at this time. But when you get out of the, something else. When you get out of the microwave, you still put it in the oven to crisp it up? I, a potato and me are not, we don't. Eat up very much. Yeah, it's not a, it's I, not an aficionado thing like 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 Jeremy's boy. Well, it's warm here, and potatoes are will keep you warm. And if I was more further north, I'm from north of here. But if I was in a colder climate, I'd probably eat more potatoes. There you go. There you go. Well, all right. I have something else. To, if if you're interested, you know about uh, compost water. Compost what? Uh, water. It's, oh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Com- they in, call it compost tea. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we made it in the, um, in an old, uh, the old goldfish pond thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the rain adds to it, and you put water in, and then put sticks and leaves and uh, a little bit of dirt gets in there. It doesn't hurt it. But anyway, whatever is good, you put in there, and it turns brown. And then you water your plants with it. Yeah, yeah. It's like in the summer, though, you have to give... If it's strong, you have to give the plants the compost tea and then um, also a little bit of water if it's real hot. Yeah, or just dilute it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, and the same thing with manure tea. You can put manure, you can put compost, anything, and steep it in some water, some, oh. le- you know, any of that kind of stuff. But it can be kind of strong, so most of the time you just dilute it. And it's got goodies in it that fertilizer doesn't have. It's got little l- things, tannins and things that come out of the out of the, pl- the compost. Or the, you know, compost and manure are the same thing. Manure is compost yeah. produced by cattle. Compost is manure yeah, produced yeah. by worms. But it's still the same it thing. Yeah. Great idea, though. I'll tell you something I've done once or twice anyway. I was in a hurry. But it's weird. I put some of that uh, compost tea on a plant, and it's brown. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a plant with a lot of uh, dirt and a big plant. Yeah. And then at the bottom, the water would come out clear. Yeah, filtered. Filtered. I mean, it's like the plant ate the brown stuff out of it. That's what it does. That's that's what it does. I mean, you know, I can do the same thing with a good dark stout beer. I can turn it clear, too, but we don't need to go there. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. Okay, Java. Sorry. Sorry. Youngling is, uh, if you try youngling later, it's 
made here the oldest beer company in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I like it sometimes. But have a good day and a good weekend, and uh, try to stay warm. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, Java, that one slipped by. Sorry. No, it's fine. But I was going to say um, with Larry and Purvis and just like um, our previous caller, um, microwaves microwaves vary. You know, microwave results. Some have to put it in longer because some microwaves are more powerful. So, you know. Well, we got some. I got some stuff to play around, but I'm I'm done with the instant pot thing. You know, based on and this is empirical evidence, but based on what I've learned today, I'm I'm cease my experiment. Yeah, it just I don't think I I I didn't think it had enough pressure from the onset. (laughs) Okay, okay. Uh, Michael in Hattiesburg. Michael, you got moles. Yes, sir, I do. And I'm wondering, are they doing any, any damage to my centipede grass, or no. are they helping it by aerating the, the yard? Well, they're, they're over-aerating. They're macro-aerators, you know. And temporarily, where, those, where, where they make those tunnels, you know, that can, uh-huh. that can dry out the roots a little bit too quick, but only in that, you know, right above the tunnel. So overall, they actually are doing a pretty good job. You know, it irritates people. It doesn't look right. They're worried about turning their ankle and stuff. But in the big picture, moles really, really don't do that much damage. I mean, it... Are they going after the grubs and stuff? Yeah, grubs and earthworms. You know, a lot of people say, you you can put this stuff down. You know, there there is this this, uh, bacteria called milky spore you can put out there that that kills the grubs. But it takes like two or three years to work. And all these other things people say, it kills one. You know, just... You know, just live with the moles or get a trap. But as long as it, as long as it's not a threat to your ankles, they're really, really more of a cosmetic issue than than serious in the lawn. In most cases. Gotcha. All right. I appreciate it. I always enjoy listening to you, and y'all stay safe. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, by the way, Java, before we go to this next call, uh, I don't know if if uh, you know you're you know you were born after Atomic Dog came out. Uh yeah, 1984. Yeah, yeah. Atomic Dog came out at 82. This is his anniversary, and I'm thinking it. You know, some people are saying it's sort of like the father of hip hop. You know, you see a lot of sampling. You know, a lot of you know the bow wow stuff. Yeah, no. George Clinton and uh, Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah, they have their fingerprints are all over hip hop. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, just a, a shout out because it's the it's the anniversary of Atomic Dog, 1982. Yeah, I saw um, uh, George Clinton. He came to Jackson, really. Maybe yeah, some odd years ago, and yeah, we had a good time in the in the Coliseum. As with any kind of music, when he came out, people didn't understand. Yeah, and You're if you doing go that electronic stuff, go back in the history. He was actually like in a doo wop group before he got really? into the <laughs> electronic stuff. Yeah, uh huh. Okay, before well, the seventies kicked in. <laughs> yeah, well, I I could I couldn't find a I couldn't find a good version we could play. Well, people know Atomic Dog. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, let's slide over to, uh, to, is this, I can't tell. Rebecca, is it Bolton, Fulton? Where are you calling from? Fulton. Fulton, okay, up in North Mississippi. You got cold this week. Yes, absolutely. It, it absolutely is. Well, what's, um, what's up? Well, uh, ha- first of all, happy Thanksgiving to to everybody. Thank you, and be you careful know. too. There's crazy folks out there. You know, some of them are trying to avoid family. Some are trying to get to family, but they're all crazy. <laughs> Agreed. Um, no, I was just calling. I uh, I have a a rubber tree plant, and I didn't think that I could kill a rubber tree plant, oh but I did. Yep. I mean, when it was when it was dry around September, I neglected it, and so now I have 
you know, and I'm like, you, you were talking about how you neglected plants, and if they survived, they did, and if they didn't, they, mm-hmm. they just didn't. Well, uh, I, I'm going to have to clear out that pot and find <laughs> something else. <laughs> Get you another rubber tree, and this time do a better job. Well, yes. I'll, I'll just take. It. I'll have it inside instead of neglecting it outside. <laughs> I've I've got a rubber tree named Big Jim. I got it in 1974. Now that's pushing 50 years. I've had this thing. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and it had been killed, dead as a doorknob several times. Frozen solid when I was in college. Uh, you know, left outside, n- no water for months at a time. And as long as there's, if you could scratch it, there's a little bit of, 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 of sap left in it. You could cut it back to just nubs, and it could sprout back out because I've done Big Jim that way. But in, in, anyway, yeah. I mean, they're they're really durable. Well, I'll try that. Thank yeah. you. You know, just, just scra- you know, sc- no, scra- scrape down, you know, you, you can tell where it's dead, but scrape down closer to the base. And if you can find that little uh, milky sap, you know, in any part of it, you can cut it back to, st- you know how people cut roses back to just foot tall stubs? You could do that to a rubber yeah. tree. Okay. Well, and, if it, and if it does come back, celebrate it. Give it some Mardi Gras bees to make it feel pretty. I will. Thank you. Now, that's Y'all it. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate it, Rebecca. Big Jim the Rubber Tree, 1974. Let's go down to Picayune, Mississippi. Wayne, how are you doing this morning? All right. How about you, Father? Good. I think they're having a plant sale out at Crosby Arboretum this weekend, just right down the road from you. Have to check that out. Yeah. What you got going on? What's up? Um, I'm growing some uh, kale from seeds, and I have seedlings that are about three inches tall right now. Can uh-huh. they handle, I know it's cold weather plant, but it's the seedlings, though. Can yeah. they handle this uh, freezing temperature? Yeah, once, once they get, uh, you know, two or three sets of real leaves, you know, not those two little leaves that first come out. Once they get some real leaves on them, they'll do fine. And, and, and wait, I know it's cold to us, but kale grows outside in Michigan, you know, so it's not that cold. 30s, uh, upper 20s, that's not that big a deal to a kale plant. They, matter of fact, it makes them feel good. But uh, I'd put them out, you know, today it's nice and sunny. I'd put them out where they get some real good sunshine and hit them with just a little bit of uh, maybe half strength, some kind of a liquid fertilizer. And, you know, don't push them too much. And uh, and if it's going to get, you know, down in the mid-20s, bring them in. But I'd go ahead and put them out as soon as you can. Just give them some sunshine and uh, and understand they'll take they'll take upper 20s, even seedlings. And one more if I can ask. Um, Lantana, I've got one in a pot. Uh-huh. Too late in the season to put it in the ground. Should I just wait and keep it in the pot until next spring? Well, it, it doesn't matter. The, you leave, you're keeping it outside either way, right? Right. Yeah. No, it it doesn't really matter to it. Now, if we get us a hard a hard freeze, you know, my lantana looked kind of iffy this morning. Uh, but when it get a hard freeze, it it dies. Does it die to the ground? It dies down to within a few inches of the ground. Uh, either way, whether you want to keep it in a pot or put it in the ground, cut it back, but leave stubs three or four inches or so long. For some reason, if you cut it down close, they tend to get, some, you know, they, they rot better. So just cut it back and leave some nice little stubs on it. And uh, whether you put it in the ground or leave it in a pot, stick you some daffodil bulbs around it. That'll give you something to look at in the wintertime while the lantern is taking a break. All right. Thank you, Phil. Okay. Appreciate it, Wayne. Thanks. All righty. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff going on, bunch of stuff this weekend. Uh, people are starting getting cranking up, ready for holidays. Uh, but garden centers uh, have got, you know, a lot of plants. They've got pansies and violas. They've got kale. They've got cabbages, all that kind of stuff, and daffodils. 
And if you don't have a big garden, or if you do have a big garden, don't feel like gardening, get you a great big pot. If you can barely put your arms around it, that's the size pot. And put your three or four or five different kinds of things in there. A pansy, a daffodil, a, you know, that kind of stuff. And put it on your porch so you can have some color right through the worst of the wintertime. You can do that. Meanwhile, let's go to Mobile. Mikey, how are you this morning? Hey, um, I hope you don't mind if I want to talk about sweet potatoes. No, but we, um, but, but you know we're towards the end of the okay, program. I so. want to be fast. I want to be fast. The best method that I've found is to use, and I use just plain old um, uh, print media that is not that is soy based and not lead based. That's very important, of course. Yeah. Or you can use parchment paper, and you know, uh, I don't wash it. I rub off as much of the whatever it came in as I can, you know, with a piece of paper and toss that and then uh, put it, wrap it in the in the newsprint or the parchment paper if you were really ticky about that or you need to have concerns about that kind of stuff. Well, they, 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 there's no concern. They don't use they don't they don't use they, they don't use lead stuff anymore. Minutes. They don't use the lead base ink anymore. So it's the, the That's regular what paint. I'm saying. Perfect is perfect. Anyway, wrap it in paper and then what? And then put it in the microwave and usually I don't do it what the microwave recommends, which is somewhere around four minutes, but it depends on how many you want to cook. I do about two to two twenty two. That's just a magic number per medium sized potato. If you got multiples, you cut it down a little bit, but you know, check them. Stick yeah. a knife in them after you've already wrapped them loosely in the paper. That sounds good. And you can feel, you can feel, you know, from the center of it. Squeeze it. Will it. Soften on the, the outside edges, and uh, toward the center, it'll be harder. That's a but, good. You know, give it a little good, bit of time. Good tips, Mikey. I appreciate it. Thank you for your call, lady. We do appreciate it. Woo! I've been validated. I, I, I'm a mistake. You don't put sweet potatoes in the in the in the instant pot. In the instant pot, it's not. It's not. It's not going to happen. <laughs> We kind of rock and roll a little bit today, didn't we? We did, but I did want to say um, before we get out of here because we're going to be next, off next in week. Two, we're going to be in 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 at, at the Chimneyville Chimneyville at the Art the Mississippi Craftsman's Guild. Yes, sir. We're going to be broadcasting live that Friday morning. Yeah, we're going to be out there, and it's going to be a, a great time. So, yeah. Hey. Uh, to the week after Thanksgiving, and we're going to be broadcasting live at nine o'clock. Then the Chimneyville, their, their their art thing doesn't open till ten, but you can come there early and get a preview. And me and Java going to be live. Yes, that's, sir. That's in Ridgeland, just about a half a block off the Natchez Trace between the Natchez Trace and Jackson. Anyway, I forgot to, forgot to mention that. Thank you, folks. Daffodils, pansies, violas, kale, in a pot, whether you're a kid or not. And if you get a chance, the farmers market people—they're not wrapping their 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 their, uh, their season up. They're still going full strong. So swing by a garden center, swing by a farmers market. Take a kid if you can. Really important for us to show young people and new neighbors how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.